Welcome, crew, to What Are Your Three, a Channel 3 podcast where we take a member of the Channel 3 community, discuss three games of their choosing, a few odds and ends, along with some honorable mentions to have a video game discussion. I'm Dan Tucker, and with me as always is El Ray. Hello, everybody. Today's guest I can only describe as someone who came to us as a Nintendo man, Super Mario, Super Mario 64, all around there, but has converted heavily into one of our main Fortnite players. And so I have to introduce Darth Smeagol himself. Darth, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on the podcast. We are happy to have you here. We're excited to hear what you have to say. I'm excited. I think Dan and I looked when we got this list of games from you. We thought, oh, man, we, I mean, either one of us are going to ask questions of these games. I'm super excited. So I'm excited to get into this list. There's a bunch of games. We Dan and I were looking at it and said, wow, these games are great. I'm excited to talk about them. They're some of the ones that I've enjoyed a lot. And we're going to start with Super Nintendo, obviously the best version of Mario. No one can say otherwise because I'm the one talking about it and you put it on your list. It is Super Mario World. The so, GOAT. Right? Let's just start with that. Let's let's talk about it. It's obvious, of course, but I want you to say it. Why is this the best uh, Mario game on the SNES? Oh, it's not just the best Mario game on the SNES. I think it's the best Mario game ever made. Um, Hold on, Spiegel. I'm sorry. Did he just say SNES? I didn't yeah. say SNES. You can say <laughs> SNES. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong. There's the letters. It's it's a it's a CS. It's what is that? Consonant vowel CVC word. Just has I two just, consonants. I first. just lost all of your audio for the last five minutes retroactively. <laughs> it sounded good, but I think I just lost it with a random delete key. Consonants, vowel, consonants. Uh, I can't. I can't SNES. wait. I can't wait till the poll comes out for this one that says, "Do you say SNES <laughs> or SNES like a? Do you, or do you say SNES like a flipping psychopath?" This is the objective. First of all, this is how you teach children how to read words. I've SNES. A, I've at least heard GIF you used by people incorrectly before this is just deranged oh this is i have, i can't be there's no way i'm the only person that says SNES. it's not like i haven't said snes but SNES i've is heard one it before but it's and it's still quicker. it still blows me Smeagol, blows my mind when i hear that i edit this you don't have to say that to make him feel better <laughs> Smeagol, go us. ahead go ahead please. just go ahead tell us about super mario world please I mean, it is, like I said, it's not just the best Mario game on the Super Nintendo. It is the greatest Mario game ever made. Why Why this one? Why do, why do you um, call this one the good? I mean, listen, it's a, level does it's a clean play. play. Yeah. Well, part of it, obviously, is the nostalgia. Like, this is the one that I enjoyed the most uh, as a kid. You know, the NES ones, not the NES ones, the NES ones. Sorry, I'm having myself that was worth it. It was so worth making that joke. I want to say that I, I want to say that I say NES, but then I do say, but then I say SNES because it's super. I'm just waiting for him to say Nixty Four when we get to Game Two. <laughs> Smeagol, keep going. So, tell, so, tell clean, good animation, sixteen bit. Just, just keep going. Yeah. So the NES ones for me, like I enjoyed them, especially Mario Brothers Three, but. As a young kid, those the difficulty level on those were a little bit much for me. And so I think when both with the Super Nintendo one, Super Mario World, I was at an older age where the difficulty level wasn't too much for me. So that factor with the nostalgia of that being, you know, my favorite game of the time, and it's just held up for me all throughout these years. I can go back to it again and again and again. And I just love that game. I mean, the the controls are so tight. Um, I just recently played through the original Mario Brothers games, and you compare those to Super Mario World, and the controls are just so much tighter than the Super Mario World. The level design is just amazing. The exploration, that's, I think, probably the thing I love most. The exploration. And, you know, being able to go and find all these little uh, secret exits and stuff, 
and wanting to get, you know, complete 100% on that game. Also, well, you, you you brought up the secret area part. And I, I feel like that's a piece that is lost, or at least was lost with younger kids who were playing it. I, I know it was lost on me. I know I got some of them. I got the keys. I would get the, the color blocks. But, like, there's an item vault, essentially, through one of the ghost levels in World 2. And yeah. I know I didn't get that until it was later in life, not when I played it. Were Were you finding those when you first played it as a kid, or was that something you found later on? I know I found it at some point when I was still regularly playing Super Nintendo. I don't know if I found it right away. I don't know if I found it on my own, or if I read it somewhere or had a friend tell me. But I do remember getting to that secret area as a kid. I like that you said how you did you read it, because we were not Googling nope. these things. We were we were searching them. So, I mean, how, how about this? How about the Star Worlds, right? Those, the, the extra worlds after finding all the first Star Worlds. I, I don't think I knew that existed until a couple of years ago. Really? Wow. Yeah. It was it was new to me, and I and I loved that game. Like I played it through. That might have been the first uh, Mario from that collection that I actually beat. And I never, I didn't even know the Star Worlds existed. Oh, I definitely knew they existed. Tubular was the main of my existence. Tubular is without a doubt the most difficult level in that game. Stupid balloons it gives me nightmares still. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, that was what, what tripped me up as a kid was that one. My back later and, and finally was able to beat all of them. God, I forgot about uh, the balloon one until you said it just mm-hmm. now. Uh, you're right. It was I, Thor's. I hate that because you're just trying to like move along and get the right mm-hmm. height. And you're like, you start seeing Mario getting a little. You got those, oh, no, you, time's up. Time's up. You got the prana plants that are shooting uh, the flames at you. And then you got the, the charging chucks that are kicking footballs at you. All trying to stay afloat on those stupid balloons. So let's let's bring it back because we got we kind of jumped to the secrets and to the end of the game too, and we didn't talk about kind of the, the the biggest change with this game. We have Mario who used to be a carpenter, but then they decided needs to be a plumber because we need some sort of system for him to travel from world to world. And then we get this game and we decide, well, he needs a companion. Why doesn't he ride on a dinosaur? So, Genius, right? So, <laughs> how, how's that? Because even your like your Discord photos, Yoshi's. You're a big. Are you a big Yoshi fan in general? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And that was, I think, probably my favorite part of the game was being able to travel around on Yoshi. I mean, of course, as anyone who's regularly plays Super Mario will know, you regularly have to sacrifice Yoshi so you can continue. And I love, too, especially as you progress through the game, how you would not only with green Yoshi be able to unlock the abilities, but actually unlock the different color Yoshis and have their abilities. Of course, the blue one was the best. Automatic automatic wings at all times. Well, with any shell. Exactly. OP. All right, what, one more question for Super Mario I had up. Is the cape better than the Tanuki tail? For flight, for control of it, probably the, the cape is better. But as far as the look, I mean, nothing's more iconic than that classic Tanuki suit. Uh, you know what, Darth? I'm, I'm disappointed in that answer. I, th- I thought we were going to get, I thought we were going to be on the same page here. And I know, and Dan, Dan, of course, Dan and all the other old people are going to say the Tanuki tail is better. Don't, don't make don't, me pick. Don't make uh, me pick. You keep- first, first. I already all, wrote a note. Things. I already wrote a note. I'm like, oh, well, I think I know what the quest of the day is going to be that day. Let, let me let me explain it first here, so everyone can hear it. The cape reflects. You can float. You float down. Obviously, you can float down with the tail as well. I get that, but you're spinning with it. it basically, has a shield. And the cape is a precursor to how Mario flies in basically every game forward after this. You also get the slam. Don't miss the slam. 
and a slam. No, and listen, a slam. The, the cape is way more versatile, but the Tanuki look is more iconic. I, I, as far yeah. as utility and versatility go, the cape absolutely wins. As going to pick one, I still don't know which one I'm going to pick. Well, I'll let it rain on now. I'm picking a cape. All right, now that we're done with all these amazing opinions on game one, let's go to game two, which is another one I love, Banjo-Tooie. So let me know how you think about this, Darth. Is this a game where the sequel's better than the original? Yes. Or is there... Okay, tell me. I mean, don't me wrong. I mean, I love Banjo-Kazooie, but Banjo-Tooie has just taken what was so great about the first one and just accelerated it, pumped it up to 1,000. I loved, first of all, just how you started with all the moves from the first game right off the bat. You didn't have to go back and relearn them all. You had them right from the beginning, and you had so many more cool moves that you got to unlock through this game. There was just, the worlds were bigger. I love the exploration, which is why I would say that this game, Banjo-Tooie, is the greatest 3D platformer on the Nintendo 64. Don't get me wrong, I love Super Mario 64. That game is as fun as all get out. But with Super Mario 64, it's just, it's more straightforward. You jump in the, the painting, it gives you the idea, okay, this is what you want to go do. You do it, done, you jump in, you know, repeat. Whereas with Banjo-Tooie, and especially Banjo-Tooie, there's just so much more exploration. And I think, of course, Rare had the advantage of taking what was great about Super Mario 64 and expanding upon it. Um, but I love the collectathons. I just love being able to go explore and collect stuff. I mean, they went a little overboard with Donkey Kong 64. Froggy's probably going to friend me now after that comment. But Banjo 2 for me was the best. Just being able to explore, the worlds were so great. The being able to backtrack as you progress and have to go backtrack to the worlds and open up different things about them. Just so much fun. Now, were you able, were you playing this mostly solo? I know you're the completionist person. Did you have opportunities to play the multiplayer? I think I did a little bit, but very little. And so, all right, so in the story then, what was your favorite style of egg? And if you don't remember, it was blue fire grenades and then those special Kazooie bomb eggs. Those Kazooie bombs were fun. I think I would have to go with the grenade eggs, though. I think it's I think it's a fan favorite. It's it's silly. It bounces and then it explodes afterwards. Plus, I don't know if you remember one of the favorite things for me was getting the ice key and then being able to use that to unlock a fire kazooie. Mm. Then you wouldn't have to use fire eggs anymore. So did you prefer when they split up? Were you preferred doing the banjo splits or the kazooie splits? Oh kazooie. Is it because it's fa- is it because it's faster? Yeah, just so much quicker, more easy to traverse the world with her than with banjo all right let's move on to game three star wars jedi knight jedi academy if i could say one thing if i could say one thing one more thing about banjo doing as much as i love that game what i hate the most canary mary i mean you guys remember her but she was the worst the first time you face her in glitter gold's mine not too bad but then you get to cloud cuckoo land and you have to face her twice and the developers gave her this horrible rubber band AI. And so it's like, if you button mash and go fast, she just passes you. And it was so hard. Apparently, I learned the secret years later is that you have to go slow and just kind of let her stay ahead of you. And then, okay, now at the very end, start button mashing and pass her. But I don't know what the developers were thinking because that was like the most frustrating part of the game. Yeah, it feels like with older games, they leaned on the side of trying to make it challenging there's always there's these random AIs or just these levels that just go over the top that I don't feel like exists as much today. There, I mean, obviously, there's some games that are really hard. You know, do something 
like Elden Ring or something like that, where the game is purposely difficult. But I feel like they just they weren't sure how to set it up correctly, and they said, you know what, let's just go over the top and make sure that it's like not a breeze to walk through. That's see, that's like a feels like a theme from older games to now. No, oh, for sure. All right, let's head on to game three and discuss Star Wars Jedi Knight. Jedi Academy got a 4.0 rating on channel three. You have it on four lists alone between multiple purchases, top sequels, recommendations, nostalgia, the final installment, the Jedi Knight series, little time at a Luke Skywalker's Jedi Academy. So, you know, tell me about this one, especially the, the multiple purchases. I wonder how this one's aged for you. If you, uh, you know, how often you revisit it too, but how this one end up rounding out your three. I guess it's because this was the first star Wars game I played where I really felt what it was like to be a Jedi. I mean, I had played on the Star Wars games. I had, of course, Star Wars Episode One Racer. I rented the Super Star Wars trilogy as a kid, I played through those. Of course, the Rogue Squadron series is impeccable. But like I said, this is the first one where I really felt what it was like to be a Jedi. And I bought it in college for PC. Someone was selling it cheap. So like, yeah, I'll, I'll check it out. And, and I love the game. And then I got, for Christmas, got the Xbox, uh, the original Xbox, but it was the clear uh, see-through one and it came with a bunch of games including jedi academy and yeah I, i've been in that game probably three four times it's just so much fun especially as you get progress into the game and you get to the option where you get to choose whether to have a dual bladed or or double lightsabers just so much fun so you know obviously the story's changed a little bit now after the fact you kind of had this i guess technically fitting into canon at the time now it's kind of its own thing looking back you know how do you feel about that looking back i mean it's a pretty good story on that one i again i i I didn't play all of them, so I didn't have the total like four package, but I remember playing this one on the Xbox, though it wasn't the clear one. Very much fit the aesthetics of that time to have the clear Xbox, but you know, tell me the story. Was it the story that hit for you outside of just like, yes, absolutely, you felt like you had the powers, you had the lightsaber, you had everything going for you. Was it the story that caught on for you there too? Oh yeah, the story is great. And I'm like you, I hadn't had a chance really to play much of the uh, ones before. I know a friend of mine had, I don't know if it was Dark Forces or the first Jedi Knight game, and we played a bit of it uh, at his place, but this was the one where I first one I actually played through the game. So like you, I didn't have much of the backstory, but yeah, the story was great, and you brought up about whether it's canon anymore, and that, that bugs me how there's all these great games, like Jedi Academy, like especially KOTOR, that are no longer considered canon. Stupid Disney. <laughs> We're not going down this rabbit hole. There's a whole other rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't, have, exactly. I shouldn't have done it. Um, but yeah, the story's great. I I would love to go back and play through all the other ones before just to get a full idea of the story. But yeah, the story's great. The chance where you get to choose whether it be light side or dark side at the end is also a great option too in the game. When's the last time you played through this one again? Oh, it's probably been several years. I want to go back to it, but also it's one of those things where it's like, is it going to hold up? Am that, I going to ruin my memory of this game if I play it again now? That's what I was wondering more than anything. Like, it, I'm sure it's going to pop up on a, a Game Pass or you know, old Xbox library at some point. But uh, yeah, with the way the Nintendo 64 st- stuff has aged like uh, old cheese in the fridge, I'm 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 real curious how some of these uh, are going to work out looking back on them. So, well, they actually hoping. have brought these back. Jedi Outcast, and which is the third one, and Jedi Academy. They bundled both of them. Um, they're on Switch. They're on PS4, PS5. I assume Xbox as well. Yeah, you know, now that you mentioned, I remember seeing it in the shop on the Switch, especially. There's there's too much stuff out there. That's all this oh, there is. I might have to take another crack at it again. 
We'll come back. We'll come back to the land of Star Wars, though. So more to more to come on on that. Let's uh, let's head over to the honorable mentions, though. We're heading back into the world of Rare. I almost said back into the world of Donkey Kong because that Banjo Kazooie vibe. There's so much of it that crosses over with the Donkey Kong Country for that era of Rare. But we're going into Donkey Kong Country Two and Diddy Kong's Quest. Four point four rated on Channel Three. The Donkey Kong sequel, where you actually have to save Donkey Kong. I, I guess really it's the second time that's happened. Multiple times that's happened now, but Donkey Kong Country, I guess, following in the tradition of Donkey Kong Jr. Got to go rescue DK himself so you don't have the big boy. You're dealing with uh, just two of, two of the light ones there with uh, Diddy and Dixie. Multiple lists of top platformers, though. You know, first of all, honorable mention for you here. Where does this rank? Is this your favorite Donkey Kong Country? Is this a soft spot? How did this one end up here? Oh, it is definitely my favorite Donkey Kong Country. I played through the original trilogy to completion and Tropical Freeze. I did that one 200%. Is it Tropical Freeze or whatever the one is on the Wii U? Yeah, Tropical Freeze. That's the one. Yeah, I did that one 200%. But this one is definitely the peak for the Donkey Kong Country series. The difficulty level is up higher than the first one because the first one is a little easy, especially as you go back as an adult. It is definitely uh, the easiest in the series. So I liked how they upped the difficulty level of this. The, I actually preferred playing as these characters over playing as Donkey Kong. Don't want the beef and, weighing you down? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the music of this game. I mean, wow. Like, as far... I mean, it might even be better than the Mario soundtrack. That's how good Rare did on the soundtrack for this game. Especially... I can't remember the name of the song. Uh, Forest Interlude That uh, was probably the best one. That song literally came up today. I, I do some random video game play. Either I'm listening to a podcast or I'm listening to some music while I'm, I'm doing a computer work kind of day. And that's that's what today was. And that Forest Interlude literally came up on a random, relaxing video game music playlist today. I said, well, that that's uh, that's great timing for that to come up here. Because like you said, the Donkey Kong Country, just the soundtrack. I mean, I don't know about three, but one and two are constantly on lists I'm listening to. Oh, for sure. Relaxing. Yeah, just, and it's not like relaxing because there's some, there's some upbeat Donkey Kong music. But definitely, definitely got some really really good music in there and again rare was just rare was firing on all cylinders at that point oh definitely did you have a favorite creature in this one i mean obviously they were different from the you know the rhino the ostrich of the first one they brought out some new creatures and i think they they peaked here because i feel like they got really weird it wasn't like an octopus by the time you get to three or something there was some weird stuff by the time you got to three i feel like they had peaked on this one yeah three was weird i think two with the third one is they they split their development team by that point. Some were working on Donkey Kong Country 3, and then others were starting to work on N64 uh, stuff. I don't know if I have one that really stands out. I mean, for the most part, they're all pretty good. They all have their uses. Yeah, very, uh, very, you know, it's funny hearing you say, because Donkey Kong Country 2 was the peak for me. 3 was okay. I, I don't even remember if I finished it or not, but I don't think I played another one because I, I did not do 64. I don't think I played another one until Tropical Freeze hit the Switch because uh, I, I missed a couple generations in there. And, uh, you know, the, the once that one hit the Switch, I'm like, oh, this is... They, they went right back to the good formula for Donkey Kong Country. So it was just funny hearing you bring that one up as I thought that was a really clean DK sequel and the best one I saw since Donkey Kong Country 2. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun, but nothing will ever... I don't think anything's ever going to beat the second one. I hit lightning in a bottle with that one. Well, let's, let's let's keep going with with this team right now. Next game on the list is Diddy Kong Racing. So, is this one? Did you own this one? Did you play it a lot? Was it? Did you rent it? I didn't own it originally. I do own it now. 
Ryan Mack is the one who owned it. He still does. And we we have played through that game together probably three or four times, not counting how many times we played through it individually. We go back to this game uh, every few years, it seems. So it, it's a racing game with a story, which seems weird. Well, not weird, which is, it's different, right? It's different than kind of the racing games, too. How, how did that all, how does that play to you? How do you like that? I think that's why I love this one so much is because there's more of a story to it, that there's actually an adventure mode, that there's an actual purpose to the racing rather than just, hey, I'm just going to jump in this car and go drive around. No, I have a I have a purpose for it. I have to race these guys and then I got to face the boss and then I got to go back and do the races again, but this time collect the coins and then face the boss again. And so did, wait, so you guys played through the game. Did you complete the game to unlock like all the extra modes that came along with it? Oh yeah, we've unlocked everything. We did, we've even done the uh, Adventure 2 where everything is mirrored. And so when you're playing, which, do you prefer the airplane, the car, or the hovercraft? Oh, definitely the car. Um, I mean, really? I love that they wow. had the options. I love that they had the options, but the hovercraft, the controls on it aren't great. I um, will not take the plane, this slander. You do not get to slander uh, the hovercraft. Come on, you had a car, you had a plane and a hovercraft. You want a car, just go do Mario Kart. Come on. Ah, oh, man, that's fair, though. I mean, the plane was definitely fun, but I did love the fact that you had the options. It, um, it, it is imp- it's impressive to have a racing game where every single race like yeah just you know like pick which one you want i mean some people they tell you hey we're going to do this but the fact that they have it set up that you can race three different styles at once it's it's amazing that we haven't redone this game or or just taken the concept and put it into another game i feel like we're mi- i feel like nintendo's really missing out on this one i, I well, say I'm- that as mario kart continues to sell more and more so i mean unfortunately there was a sequel for the game um, Rare was working on Donkey Kong Racing for the GameCube, but then Stuart Microsoft bought them out, mm-hmm. and Rare was never the same again. But so we got close to a sequel. There was a DS remaster ish. Yeah, I never played that it, one. It, no. it didn't catch. It just whatever. Like they remastered Mario sixty four on a DS, and I thought that was a hit. Like I loved it, played it. And they just it didn't. It just didn't hit with this one. And it's really upsetting because the game itself was so great did you have a right did you have a character is there a character that you preferred using i usually use pipsy i just loved that she was the easiest to handle so i could do the tighter turns with her and whatnot yeah i'm I'm gonna say this before we move on for for once for once dan and i are gonna agree on something i'm on i'm on the hovercraft team as well i'm a big i i I don't remember if it's good or if it works well or anything because i I really don't remember playing it a whole lot but i remember thinking this is the most ridiculous thing in the world and i love it it was just the uniqueness of it i i played at my cousin's house it wasn't a game i had but i always i just always went with the hovercraft i like i had to it was hovercraft or if i had to the plane (laughs) i'll say this too like the I like the battle modes in this game more than the 64 Mario Kart 64 ones. Well, you had a lot of options. We had you know, capture the flag in it, basically. I remember we- capture the flag one. There was the there was the egg <coughs> one with the plane. Yes, uh, collecting the eggs. I remember that. There's one where you're collecting bananas, and bringing them back to the chest, and then the other ones are just the straight up battle modes. The other two, and I'll say this as well. I, I mean, I'm probably gonna have half of Channel Three on follow me, but in my opinion, this is the best racing game ever. Like, forget Mario Kart. You're You'll be. You'll, I'll play you'll be this safe. over Mario Kart any day. You'll, you're. You've got people who are going to agree with you on it. And if I played it again, I I might be on that team. I I would rather play this than even Mario Kart Eight. Like don't get me wrong, Mario Kart Eight is more polished, better control, all that. But as far as just straight up fun, nothing is more fun as a racing game for me than Diddy Kong Racing. 
All right, before that stove heats up too much then, let's move on to your third honorable mention, onto Uncharted 2. A little bit of a, I feel like we're making a generational jump. We were in that that 64 SNES, not, not SNES era there for a while there. Now we're on the PlayStation 2. I don't know how to say that in a weird way, but whatever. Uncharted 2, so... Uh, I, it's funny that it finally it takes us six games, I think, till we get to the highest rated one on your on your list with the crew itself at a 4.6 here. Rightly on multiple favorite and top 10 adventure lists here. I'm, I'm ready to go off about this one, but tell me, you know, let's let's start. Why Uncharted 2? How did this one round out the list? What's How's this tie in with everything else we talked about here? For me, the reason why I, I felt like I had to make this one honorable mention, and, and I was going back and forth between different games Take my throne. But I had to go with this because Uncharted is the reason I got PlayStation. I never would have been a PlayStation gamer if it wasn't for Uncharted. And there's just so many great single player games on on PlayStation. I think that's really what they're known for. And it all started for me with Uncharted. And as far as Uncharted goes, number two is the best. Did you play one or did you jump right into two? Oh, I definitely played one. Uh, I played through all of them. Actually, I beat all of them on Crushing Difficulty. And even beat number one on brutal difficulty. Did you do the? So you mentioned the collectathons earlier. Did you, did you do the collectathon through the Uncharted series then too? Were you that much yeah, of a sadist? I've platinumed all of them. Wow, all five of them. That is not easy to do. That's because the the collectibles in this game are always just like a little glisten in the corner. It's not like oh yeah, yeah. I can see something really obvious. Just see a little glisten among the shiny glisten of the grass, and like oh wait, that one's slightly different. Let me run over there. That's not easy. So this was a big departure from one because I, I I don't remember any big set pieces in one, right? Like I remember, you know, like you're jumping on the, the plane crash, not, not the plane crash, but like there's that downed old plane. I remember that, but yeah. that's like the only memorable thing I have from Uncharted 1. But the train in Uncharted 2, that's the... Yes, that's the it just starts you off with that. Game. Yeah, it opens you up in the middle of an Indiana Jones movie. Like you're in a high adventure movie. And it's not like it's just a cutscene either. Like I, my mind was blown. They made such a huge leap. Again, much much like you talked about, probably Donkey Kong Country Two. I'm I'm not arguing. That's probably the peak of that series. Uncharted Two. I have a hard time not saying this is probably the peak of that series too. Even though Uncharted Three, very good. I have yet to play Four. I've got it downloaded. I just have to get to it. It's in the backlog. I haven't I haven't added it to my Channel Three backlog list. I'll get to it. Okay. But like that that train set piece where you're you know you got flashbacks that are happening. Everything's fine. Then you're trying to climb up the train on the side of the cliff and all sorts of stuff here. But anyways, is, is this the peak of the series since you've played all of them? Where, where's this one? Yeah, this one's definitely, I definitely think this one's the best. I mean, four is a close second, but I think this one for me is definitely the peak. Can I tell you the thing I had to explain to my wife who cares absolutely nothing about video games, that one of the things that Naughty Dog did a really good job of was giving you that partner character so you never could get flanked. And escort missions were never painful with Naughty Dog. They actually made, they made me not hate secondary computer characters going with me. Thanks to, thanks to Naughty Dog's efforts. Including yeah, they were actually somewhat series. useful. Yeah, they they keep you from having the bad guys surround you, and as they uh, as you're kind of playing your way through, you know, levels in Uncharted and and these Naughty Dog games worked a little differently. We're like, okay, I can kind of see I'm about to get into a shootout here. Let me let me get behind cover, but man, it was it was clean gameplay on that one too. All right, now let's look to the future ish. I guess we're going to start off a little bit in the past. And Ray, I get to deliver some bad yeah. news live on the podcast here. As Smeagol brought up two games here he's looking forward to. The first is diving back into Star Wars. In 2021, a remake was announced for Knights of the Old Republic, planned to be a PS5 and PC exclusive. 
Smeagol, I got bad news for you, though, bud. Last I saw, as of July 26th, I think it was Bloomberg published, this thing's halted indefinitely. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to... We, we might get Metroid Prime 4 before we get the Knights of the Old Republic remake. Yeah, I don't know what, exactly what's going on. I mean, hopefully they'll eventually finish it, because, man, this game was amazing. We talked about it with Fable a couple of weeks ago. You, know, you had the morality system here. We talked about it with Fable a couple of weeks ago, and, and with this game, it was kind of the same thing. You had the light side, the dark side meter. I felt like Fable and Knights of the Old Republic were really hitting at the same time with that, and a lot of these early Xbox games you know, really hit on that one, though. But the, the thing I really remember from this one is just a, a, a colorful cast of characters is probably a fair way to put it. I mean, I remember the deranged droid more than anything. <laughs> but what, what, what was it about this one that caught your attention the most? Was it characters? Was it just... Living in the the High Republic days of old, or what, what? What caught your attention here? The story, like the story, is I think for me outside of the original trilogy, outside of maybe the the Thrawn trilogy of novels, this is without a doubt the best story in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I got to get to the Thrawn ones. I, I I had avoided that stuff for a while until my son uh, my son got me into Rebels, and I realized oh, this wasn't a kids show. That was there. They they Filoni snuck it in there. In disguise, but anyway, I digress. But yeah, no, it's definitely a great story in the uh, the olden days. There, here's hoping it could really use a polish up. I, I did download it. I downloaded this one on the Switch because it was like what three or five dollars, I think, at one point on sale. I was like, all right, let's let's get back into it. And it still plays well, but it would. Oh be, yeah, it, like can you picture on the the current generation? You know, give it the full PS5 unlock, the full break your PC and melt your uh, melt your PC hardware polish. This thing would look good. But a moment and of silence. <laughs> For Knights of the Old Republic, it's not going to happen. And this is rare, too, for, for a game like this to be on, on one of my lists, because I am not an RPG fan, for the most part. But something about this game actually made me want to actually play through. It's actually the only RPG I've ever finished. Oh, see, that was what I loved most about it. See, I liked all the Star Wars games, and I've said it before, how, like you said with uh, when we talked about Jedi Academy earlier, how it takes you into the world. But now you gave me Jedi's lightsabers and an RPG, I'm in. So let's talk about one that, as of right now, they they say it's coming out this year. And it's not the first time it's been brought up on this podcast. Gollum. So Smeagol, I think we have to start with the gamertag, Darth Smeagol. Obviously, there's got to be a connection here. Why why are you Darth Smeagol? Let's start with there. Those Star Wars and Lord of the Rings are my all-time favorite franchises. And so I figured when I was coming up with a screen name years ago, I was like, you know what? I should just combine them. So I went with Darth Smeagol. And I love the character of Smeagol, Gollum. I love impersonating uh, that voice. I am disappointed that Andy Circus isn't doing the voice for Gollum in this game. Hey, my man's busy. He's got multiple Star Wars <laughs> characters. He's he's uh, you know he well I guess he's not doing any more Venoms, but he, he's banging out some Venom movies. He's all over the place. He's a busy man. He is. He is. Which yeah, just won't I'm, I'm be disa- the same. I'm disappointed in that too, though, because he he crushed it. But yeah, is this is will this be your first like Lord of the Rings game that you play just because it's Gollum or have you played a bunch of them in the series? I, the only one I've actually played through was Return of the King. And I love that game. That was also one I considered as an honorable mention. It was so much fun playing through that game. But yeah, this would be the the first one since then. And I guess I'm just excited, not only just because of it, it being Gollum, but from what I've seen about the game is that there's looks like there's gonna be a lot of stealth. And I do enjoy that kind of uh, gameplay. Yeah, they do call it. They it is being called an action adventure, so not an RPG game. So definitely more in what you would want in a game. It's and if, if you're going to be uh, Gollum, I guess you're going to sneak around for the most part. You're not going to be fighting head on, I would think. I yeah, from think what I. I didn't think about being Metal Gear Middle Earth. From what I've heard, it's like you get the option of what kind of route you want to take, whether you want to engage 
the enemy or sneak around them, which generally speaking, I mean, Golem's mostly a weakling. So you want to take that that stealth approach as much as possible, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the images of it look great. It, it looks like it's going to be a, like they're really putting detail in it. Hopefully the delays mean that they're putting work into it the same way Hogwarts was delayed. And I think that game's kind of been a big hit too. So I'm hope, hoping for the best here for Gollum. All right. Now we cut to the point in the show where we don't tell you what's coming. We take a quest, a question from the Channel 3 history books, and pick it for you to discuss. Early on in the podcast, while you're being introduced, Ray mentioned you're probably the, uh, how, how would I look at this, the, the meteoric rise I should bring up of uh, Fortnite would probably be brought up here. So we're going to go with a Fortnite question here from the history. Tell us about your favorite Fortnite augment as we're currently running through augment season here in Chapter 4. Oh, definitely party time. I mean, it's Durf now. I don't even know if they have it in the new. It's it's um, not rest in peace. Again, a moment of silence. We, we had multiple moment of silences, moments of silence, I should say, during the Darth Smeagol podcast here. Another one, pour one out for the balloons. And it wouldn't, probably wouldn't work anymore without the, the hammer because you definitely needed the hammer for when your balloons got shot out. But it's just, I'm a camper by nature uh, when it comes to these kind of games. So being able to just be up in the air, especially with mechanical archer. Ray's the one who got me into using bows. And so getting that mechanical archer and getting up in the air, um, waiting, I actually had a win. It was a zero kills because I'm up in the air and it's down to like the final circles. And I just keep shockwave using a shockwave bow to knock the guy into storm until he died. Yeah, it's, it's, there it's is beautiful in that final circle and they can't see you there. You're just floating up top. If you do nothing, people just get bored too. They just start doing something stupid. It, it was amazing how, how often people would not look up. Like the, I know. The, you it was around for a while. I didn't think at all. I'm by myself. No one's shooting. Like there's nowhere else to hide. Like and they still they wouldn't look up. There's 15 meters of, of storm circle left, and not a bush in sight. It's just plain open plains. There's I I don't know how people just assume there's a glitch or something. All right, so we move on to the last question. We ask everybody, what has been your favorite Channel Three features so far? I think for me, it would have to be the squads. Like there's always those quests, you know, squad up Sunday because. For me, the opportunity to get to play with different people on Channel 3 has been so much fun. You know, I've made actual friends through being able to squad out with people in, in Fortnite and, and Fall Guys and Rocket League. And so, yeah, that's definitely has to be my, my favorite thing about Channel 3. Yeah, I think Channel 3 has really opened up, um, especially because we've, you know, we, we put we threw Fortnite into the Swansea thing and got people who have never played Fortnite to play. And it's, again, anytime you can kind of just hang out, chat, Dan raising, Dan raising his hand for everyone to listen too. Uh, anytime you get to you know chat while you're playing because you don't have to take it so seriously all the time, it's for sure that's been one of the best features here. And I never played Fortnite, Fall Guys, Rocket League before Channel Three, and now I enjoy all of them because of Channel Three because of being able to squad up with with people from this site. Have you done what, what's your favorite non Fortnite squad uh, squatting up activity? Non Fortnite would be uh, Fall Guys. Do you go full teams or are you just like joining in a, a room with some folks? No, I've been doing uh, some squads with uh, like Geodad and O2-2. Oh, you're going for you're going for flat out wins then. That's a killer crew there. Oh, yeah. And we need to get you in on this, right? I'm at work while you guys are doing your morning squads. <laughs> I see you. I see you in the discords all chatting. I play Fall Guys twice a week. That is the two games on Wednesday. That is that is all the Fall Guys I do every single week. Oh, is this is this where it comes up now between the two of you? Like, is there any any challenge going towards the end of the season here? Because uh, uh, we have last we I have saw, what is it, like a point two a point two swing for a little more for uh, Smeagol now? Smeagol with what point five with with three more weeks to go? Oh, it's like a that? it's a blowout right now. Though. No, not point five point zero five. It's like, like tight, uh, right? Something like that. So. 
the non-rounded numbers where we're on the standings currently is I'm at a 1.89 and Ray's at a 1.95. That's how close it is. Now the fun part is Smeagol didn't have to look a single thing up there. He knew it exactly off the top of his <laughs> off the top of his head. No, I looked it up. <laughs> the weirdest part, Ray, is uh, Smeagol sent me a bounty. He's got ten thousand XP points in gifts racked up, uh, and he's sending messages out, putting hits. Out. I'm just kidding. He's not really doing that. <laughs> Keep I'm it just, clean, boys. Keep it clean. I'm just I'm just happy more people are sharing love on Wednesday. That's all it's about. I just want to. I'm just trying to share the love. Well, let's share the love without the hugs. That's all well, I got. I share love with whoever whoever comes near me. I'm just I'm just open to lo- I'm open to loving people. You know that's what it's about. And on that note, we're gonna end the podcast here. Thank you, Darcy Meagle, for being our guest today. You can find this podcast every Wednesday morning, three thirty three a.m. Eastern, on all the major platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. I am L Ray Dan Tucker. He's putting all this together, and Joel Willis, the executive producer. Have a good day, everybody. <laughs>